Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. Here we go! Email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com. Here we go! It's time to dominate your fantasy league. Let's go! Now, here's some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, and Heath. The NFL schedule is out. The Jets and the Dolphins play in consecutive weeks. Consecutive games, anyway, with a bye in between. Of all the things, of all the things, that is the one that's most amazing to me. Jets, Dolphins, week 10, week 12, with a bye in the middle. I, I'm i amazed, guys. That's all I want to talk about today. What do you think? What's the fantasy impact of that? A hell of a way to open the show. Jets, Dolphins. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't have them back-to-back to start the season. Made it a hell of a way to start the year. But I don't think we've ever seen that before. There's an article about it right now on CBSSports.com. I'm going to read and see if it's ever happened before. But I was like, what? What? Well, anyway, that's Dave and Jamie. Heath's here as well. I'm going to ask you guys about the schedule, the best schedules, the worst schedules, what you make of it right now, early starts, streamers, things like that, and something that I'm looking at, tough matchups for wide receivers. Oh, my gosh, two of my favorites. DK Metcalf gets every difficult cornerback in football, and Amari Cooper gets almost all of them. I'll ask you if that means anything. On Facebook, uh, ask the Facebook group. A little split on it, mostly not paying too much attention to it. But uh, we'll see. It could be worth looking at, especially for Cooper. So, uh, Heath, why don't you start? What do you look for? What do you care about right now? And honestly, if you say nothing, that's fine. But as the schedule is released, what matters to you? Um, I did not change my projections at all. That doesn't mean that I don't care about anything, but we already knew who everyone was going to play. The the playoff schedule thing is kind of interesting, except that like half the teams that we think are going to be good or bad are not going to be that by week 14. Um, The who the borderline players play in the first couple weeks of the season, it's probably the most important thing. If somebody was going to be drafted, uh, especially quarterbacks, like uh, in the back half of the top 12 or just outside the top 12, and they've got a terrible week one matchup, we're probably right that their week one matchup is terrible, and you probably don't need to draft them. Anyone come to mind? I heard you guys talk about Daniel Jones on HQ today. Yeah, yeah I think schedule. I think Daniel Jones is real tough. I One other thing that stood out to me, and I'll pull it up now, but I was looking, because I've been, uh, this, this is not an A.J. Brown thing. And I want to clarify, like, as much as I go back and forth with Ben about A.J. Brown, like, I've, he's a top 15 wide receiver for me. I think he's awesome. I was looking at the Titans schedule, though, and I was like, how, like, I don't think they're going to be as good as they were. But I don't see very many high score. Like even the games they play against teams that are better than them, they start with the Broncos and then Jacksonville and then the Vikings and then the Steelers and then the Bills. Like they have prob- they're probably not going to throw more than 25 passes in any of those games. It's funny though, because I think we looked at the Titans specifically, their schedule last year as having a bunch of high scoring games playing like really high scoring teams and how that was going to be really bad for Derrick Henry. I don't know if you remember that. I don't remember that, but it sounds like I, I know Dave said the same thing. Now the Titans, when they get to the fantasy playoffs, I mean, they've got Jacksonville, Detroit and green Bay. green Bay, whoever the running back is 
then at that point, it's probably going to be really good. If Derrick yeah. Henry holds up, he's probably going to be awesome in the fantasy playoffs. Uh, the Browns right before that. So I don't know. I like I, I did notice that the Titans schedule looks like it has a lot of low scoring games on it. The Giants start with the Steelers at the Bears, home against the Niners, at the Rams, at the Cowboys. So, yeah, I mean, that's a good point. Maybe not the best opportunity for Daniel Jones. What does that mean for sake? To me, nothing. But what do you think? I just think you need to know about it before you draft Saquon is that he could have a tough start to the year. And it could be I think they've got the toughest schedule of anybody in football. I think they just they've got it really bad. But Saquon, no, I'm not moving him down in my rankings. It's just something you should know when you take him. So, Dave, what are you looking for when the schedule comes out? So I I try and put a grade on every part of each team's defense before the schedule comes out. So it's after free agency in the draft and try to get an idea of where each team is, um, where their strengths are based on pass rush, run defense, pass coverage. I take in data from Pro Football Focus. I take in data from Sports Info Solutions. And I, I, I do my best to try and determine which defenses could be tough and which defenses could be really, really easy. Uh, assign a grade to each of those portions of the, of the defense and then plug it into the schedule to see which teams have what could be favorable schedules early going, all season long, or just later on in the year. And then also vice versa, which ones will have tough schedules. And that's how I came to the conclusion that the Giants, I mean, listen, you could have just looked at the Giants schedule and you would have seen for yourself, holy crap, that's bad. But I think that this is just a, a better way to do it. Um, certainly a little time consuming, but it, it gets me to um, a point where I think I understand what each defense is going to look like at the beginning of the year, provided that there aren't major injuries throughout training camp in the preseason. Now, once the season starts, things happen, depth is tested, defenses fall apart. And you know, a team like Jacksonville that I think we all thought would be a really tough defense last year just had no shot to carry over this year once I mean, you, you saw it early in the year. So, of course, these things can go wrong, but it does give you what, – what I think it really gives you are tiebreakers between two players. Like, I'd been wrestling earlier this year. Who do I like better between Deontay Johnson and Darius Slayton? Well, now I've got a tiebreaker between the two of them. Could both of them break out or one of them break out? Yeah, but I'll I'll take my chances with the one that doesn't have an impossibly tough schedule to begin the year. Okay, and Jamie, finally, what do you look for? And then let's get into, like, the big winners, big takeaways, big losers, that kind of stuff. Uh, Dave hit on the only thing I, I look for is the beginning of the season. That's the only thing that matters because so much changes. So many things are going to happen throughout the course of the season for your players with the injuries that they'll deal with and obviously what the defense will look like by the time you get to the end of the season. I, I totally get why people who play fantasy football want to look at weeks 14, 15, and 16 to see what their guys could be looking at in the fantasy playoffs. But if your team's going to get there and you have star players, most likely you're not benching those studs when you get there anyway. So it's just, you're kind of wasting your time. Just look at the first four weeks. Look at the bye weeks when you're doing your draft to make sure that they align and you're not having so many issues. But it's really just the beginning of the season. I I could care less about anything after the first four weeks. Fair enough. So, Jamie, did you have any big fantasy takeaways? Any winners? Losers? I love the Charger schedule. Uh, opens up very nice. I think, you know, anytime you, you the first thing that I looked for, because I had to do this kind of quickly last night for, for CBS Sports HQ for Thursday night, um, 
and give them the matchups that I liked and the ones that I don't like. And so uh, the Giants stood out. Their, their first four were horrible. The Jets were bad. Um, I didn't love the Titans schedule to start out. Houston's really bad in the first four weeks. And then the, the favorable ones, um, the first thing that I looked for was, you know, who's playing Cincinnati, who's playing Carolina, who's playing Detroit, who's playing Atlanta, you know, some of the defenses that are going to struggle. And the Chargers get the Bengals and the Panthers in the first four weeks. So, you know, that opportunity right there was just, okay, that's eye-opening. Um, Arizona, once you get past San Francisco, their schedule's uh, very favorable. Um, and I think San Francisco's schedule is favorable as well. You know, so those three teams were my favorite, uh, San Francisco, Arizona, and the Chargers. Um, I think they all have a chance to help you if you're going to sort of lean that way. And um, I, I teased, and, and, and Heath's response was funny. I teased that I had to give an early start of the week. They wanted me to do a week one start of the week. And so Heath, uh, I think I think that was your response, Heath, to that one, uh, was just Raheem Mostert spiking a football um, against the Cardinals yep. in week one. You know, so uh, um, the one that I chose was actually Jonathan Taylor just because they're playing the Jaguars and just to, you know, be, um, you know, get ahead of it if he is, in fact, the starter. So I, I think you mean Marlon Mack. Marlon Mack is uh, the starter. Well, the I, I, I said to uh, Eric Casillas, <laughs> the host, I said uh, – I said, since no one's holding me to this, I'm just going to go with uh, with uh, with Jonathan Taylor right now, and then we can revisit this. Um, you know what what I said in May when we get to September and see how it goes. Yeah, I've got back on my list of winners, Adam. Overall, just, well, no, just for the just as a streaming option to begin the season. But that's interesting because I wonder if that's bad for Taylor. You know, it could be right. I, I go back. They're both going to gonna get work if they're playing. I mean, it's. But but you need kind of you might need Mac to lose the job. I go back to two years ago, yes. one schedule that stood out that we all kind of saw. We all saw it coming, right? Aaron Jones was suspended for the first two games, and Jamal Williams had a great opportunity, but a really bad schedule to start. I think it was Minnesota and Chicago. I think That's I feel exactly like what it right, was. two years in a row. I think they've started with Minnesota and Chicago, the Packers, and he stunk. And that I just think that made it easier for Aaron Jones to come in and basically take that job. Uh, and I would feel better if I drafted Jonathan Taylor if Marlon Mack had a had a tough early schedule. I don't want to make too much of it, but but if they're both playing and one guy has a better performance in the easy matchup, I don't think that's going to matter. Maybe no, but, but the whole point is I don't think Marlon Mack is playing and Jonathan Taylor's not touching the field. No, no, but I I just I would rather have a situation where Mack might play poorly, where he's probably right. not yeah, going to play. Yeah, but it poorly. could also be a situation where. Mac plays the majority of the first two quarters and does well. And then Taylor, you know, like what we started to see with David Johnson in his rookie season when he just started playing later in games. And you like, I mean, it's very clear he's better than Chris Johnson and whoever the hell they had uh, on the roster that year. Ellington. And, uh, Ellington, right. You know, and so it's just uh, all of a sudden Bruce Arians is like, okay, I got to play more. And they play more. And by the end of the year, he's clearly their best guy. I mean, that could happen in week one against Jacksonville. They're up by three touchdowns. And Jonathan Taylor is the one in the game. And you're just watching and the eyeball test tells you. He's better than Marlon Mack because the eyeball test will tell you he's better than Marlon Mack. So yeah, Mack can you, still be useful, but it doesn't mean that John Taylor's not useful. You, wouldn't yeah, you yeah. rather the Colts start the year with the Ravens and 49ers? And Marlon Mack gets the first crack at it and he stinks. And then right. after that, oh, but, here's, you know, the better. But if they both if they run. both stink and Frank Reich is like, I can't fully judge it because they both were playing a tough opponent. I don't think it matters who they're playing. Okay. Talent is going to win out. So it, 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 Dave is right. Marlon Mack can get you off to a good start if you need to get a guy in round seven or later. He's not a streamer, so I hate using that word with a guy that we're going to draft. But he is somebody that you can use as a potential guy that you are still drafting. Right. An All early right. season starter. Let's get more names. More names, winners, losers. 
If you don't, I, I got I, a bunch. I, yeah. All right, go for it. Go. So I, I think the I, I wish I could put some Chargers names to the list because they have far and away the best schedule. I've never graded a team that finished with the best outlook against the run and the pass out of all 32 teams. Maybe that's a good thing for Eckler, but I just can't trust the offense with Tyrod Taylor or Justin Herbert there. Uh, it, it worries me a little bit. Um, Pittsburgh, Roethlisberger, if, if he's right, he could be just the absolute steal of the draft. You could get him free last pick if you want to right now. Their schedule is great to begin the year. That's good for James Conner. 49ers guys, great schedule for them to begin the year. Mostert could be the start of the week. Coleman could be in the same. Mostert and Coleman could potentially be in the same boat as Mack and Taylor, where both of them can get off to a really good start. They've got Arizona week one. I don't think the Cardinals defense is going to be great. But speaking of the Cardinals, after week one, weeks two through nine, their schedule's outstanding. I think that helps solidify Kyler as a top five quarterback. Um, it makes me more interested in Christian Kirk, whereas I wasn't drafting him before. Now I might. I think the Bills' schedule is really easy to start the year. I think Singletary and Moss could have some good games working together. I think David Montgomery could get off to a good start with the Bears. It comes down to their offensive line. But weeks one through three, I think their schedule is pretty good. I think Aaron Rodgers' schedule to begin the year is pretty good. I think the Jaguars could throw and, and maybe win some games early on in the year. I, I, I think you know Gardner Cummings could end up being a good streaming quarterback for you oh. this year. And, yeah, and one, one more name, if I may. Sony Michelle, who nobody on this planet is excited to draft. Mr. and Mrs. Michelle aren't excited to draft Sony Michelle in their fantasy leagues. But they're scheduled to begin the year, the Patriots' first couple of games. I think he's got a chance to pop off some decent numbers. Yeah. Miami, Seattle, Vegas, Chiefs, first four games for New England. Pittsburgh's schedule is they great. Have, although... They have a weird work in their schedule, too, that we can talk about later if you want. Uh, Pit- uh, about going well, to L.A. Okay, and then yeah, Arizona. Let's Arizona does start with San Francisco. Kyler Murray had two huge games against San Francisco last year, but we'll still call it a tough matchup. But then Washington, Detroit, Carolina, Jets—that's awesome at Dallas. After that, uh, Heath, go ahead. Well, I just was gonna kind of add to the Jacksonville thing because we all love Gardner Minshew. Like I, the Colts and the Titans in Week One and Two, I. I think the Colts are probably going to be a bad matchup this year, but I'm not totally sure about that. I don't know of anything that I believe about the Titans defense right now. But the next four games, Dolphins, Bengals, Texans, Lions. I'm not sure it gets any better than that as far as a stretch of four games. But could that also be the low scoring affairs because of what the Dolph- the, the offenses that they're facing as well? I don't. Well, I mean, the Texans don't have a bad offense. I don't think the Lions. Are no, no. Have I mean, a bad like offense. the Dol- the Dolphins could be bad. The Dolphins and Bengals. I, I don't know. I mean, those. And we don't know the, what the those, those two games are either going to be spectacularly bad defense or spectacularly bad offense. And I'm not sure we'll know. Look, the the Dolphins had a bad offense last year. They still gave up the third most fantasy points to quarterbacks. You didn't have to, but they but they did spend a ton of money on a corner in Byron Jones. Uh, they need a Their lot more than that. Still bad, yeah, though. yeah, they need a lot more than that. I, by the way, you know, you mentioned James Conner getting off to a good start. I just like they got the Giants in Week One. The Giants are probably going to only do one thing well this year, and that's stop the run. So I actually think that's kind of tough for him. Week One, um, mm, it, that's the strength of their defense. I'm not certain that that's going to be a successful part of their defense. I think that they are going to have the best. I think they might have the best defensive tackles in football. Uh, maybe people don't, do good. don't know who Dalvin Tomlinson is, 
but he's really good. Leonard Williams, yeah. and they da- drafted Dexter Lawrence in the first round last year. So they're actually kind of loaded there. But Yeah, but what they, about behind them? After that, well, that's three ca- tackles. They have B.J. No, Hill. I'm talking about the linebacker. Oh, yeah, no, not so good. Right, um, so they, teams will just run to the edge on them. So after that, though, for Pittsburgh, even if week one is tough, uh, you know, it's pretty it's pretty good after that um i want to ask you guys about the the two wide receivers i mentioned and like this is my fault for because we did know the matchups even if we didn't know the the order of the matchups before last night this is my fault for not paying attention to this so i apologize but like dk metcalf he gets new england in week two miami in week four and like i said like byron jones is good and dallas they have three they have three now who, Miami? Yeah, because Zig Monogany is going to be a really good rookie. I don't really like rookie cornerbacks. Like, I don't no, really... but as their, as their third guy, look, they play Jones at safety, so it could change some things. We don't know how exactly they're going to use Byron Jones. He plays safety in the past. I, and I bet it uh, changes every week. Uh, but, I mean, Howard and, and Jones, if they are the corners, and Nick Monogany is the third guy. And uh, they had a kid, East, Easton was his last name last year, um, that was a, a, a nice find for them. So their secondary is going to be good, but their pass rush is... is Probably going to be non-existent. All right, so so for Metcalf, New England week two, Miami week four, Arizona week seven, San Francisco week eight, and he actually did pretty well against them. Buffalo week nine, Rams week 10, Arizona week 11, Philadelphia with Darius Slay week 12, the Giants in week 13 with James Bradbury. So that is like weeks 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 is Tredavious White, Jalen Ramsey, Patrick Peterson, who held DK Metcalf to zero catches last year, Darius Slay and James Bradbury, and then Ramsey again in week 16. He, to me, it looks like, I think, the worst cornerback matchups. But they said they were going to move Metcalf around. So does that mean anything to you? And then Cooper, like every time Cooper had a tough matchup last year, he failed. And he and he basically failed miserably. Well, he gets Ramsey in week one. The Browns, you know, they've got good corners. I don't know what that means, but it, it didn't really play. Uh, they actually were decent against wide receivers last Ford year. Ford was in and out of the lineup. Seventh fewest fantasy points to wide receivers last year. Didn't face a lot of tough ones. Uh, the Giants in Week 5, like I said with Bradbury. Arizona Week 6. Philadelphia Week 8. He was bad against Detroit last year, who had Darius Slay. Pittsburgh in Week 9. Baltimore Week 13. San Francisco Week 15. Philadelphia again in Week 16. So Metcalf and Cooper really jumped out at me as having the worst. I think DJ Moore's got some tough ones too. But should we care about that? What do you guys think? Well, the first Yes, thing- but it's, a, it's the same thing you said about Metcalf moving around. With C.D. Lamb now, they can move all those guys around. Or they'll move the other two. Gallup will stay on the outside, but they'll move, you know, Lamb and, and Cooper both inside and outside. The one thing about Metcalf, though, if he kicks inside, their receiving core is kind of thin. It probably means Lockett's going to play some more on the outside, so it could hurt him a little bit, you know. So if they are moving these guys around, it's not like they have the ability to play all these guys in the slot or play them inside. Um, I, I think you just, you know, you draft talent, and so it, it's it it's going to ding them a little bit on a week to week basis. But I think over the course of the season. Like we see, have seen with Cooper, we talked about this with Mike Wright the other day, uh, like you see with a lot of receivers, you're going to get probably by the end of the year a strong performance and they may finish in the top 15, but it could be six great weeks and 10 bad ones, or it could be 10 great weeks and six bad ones, you know, just depending how it all works out. So you just have to understand that these that's why they're not in the first two rounds and maybe in some cases not the first three rounds. Yeah. For example... Amari Cooper had seven of those good games last year, and he had a couple that were decent. You know, if you count 15 points as a good game, then we could say eight good games. And a lot of yeah, players that one. you're going to draft, that's that's what you're looking for. When you get to round four, round five, 
you want a player that can be, give you good fantasy points half the time. That's that's not a bad. That's what Brandon Cooks used to do uh, before he he's had that bad year last year with the Rams. I also assume that receivers line up all over the place most of the time anyway. There, there will be receivers that specifically line up outside 80% of the time. What I care about when I'm studying these cornerback matches matchups is where do the corners line up? Because some teams, they just line their guys up on one side of the field, the other side of the field, and they let them play. That's more or less what Buffalo does, just as an example. You will always find Tredavious. Sorry, you, will always find, you will always find Richard Sherman yeah. on the same side of the field 85% of the time. There were a couple plays early on in their playoff game against Green Bay. He followed Adams, and then they gave that up real quick. Um, and then there are some corners that want the challenge of going up against the best receiver, and they will play man, and, and their coaches let them do it. You, you kind of have to know which players travel and which players stay to their side. Patrick and that's Peterson, how you can judge. Patrick Peterson never goes in the slot. He just does something. Perfect he doesn't example. Do. Jalen Ramsey does not go in the slot. Something he does not do. Those guys just stay. Sherman doesn't go in the slot. Those guys typically in their careers have stayed to the outside. Now, I mean, obviously there, there's times where they've lined up over a slot receiver because that's the guy that they've either been trailing or just by the nature of the formation. But they will not typically play a slot receiver. Whereas Chris Harris, for example, if you want to talk about another great corner, will play inside and outside. He's done both. We'll continue probably to do both, even with the Chargers now. So I think you just look at it as, again. Does it limit their upside, Jamie? That's my question. Yes, and and that's what I'm saying. Like You look over the course of the season, what do you expect to get? Do you expect to get a consistent 15 points per game PPR from from the receiver you're drafting? Or is it going to be a 20-point, a 10-point, an 8-point, a 25-point? You know, that's the kind of guy you're looking for in those rounds 3 through 5 range. And you just have to understand, like, I, I don't think DK Metcalf is going to be a complete bust because of his schedule and the matchups he faces, but he may not reach his upside that we're talking about. And same so, thing Adam, with- would you now take Tyler Lockett over at DK Metcalf? It's kind of interesting. I think I think the schedule makes Lockett a little bit more uh, a little bit more matchup proof. But you know, you know what I think. I'm not ready to make that. I'm not ready to answer that question, Heath. I I think any defense that tries to play man coverage against the Seahawks this year is going to regret it quickly. I bet they I bet they see a ton of zone because there's just too much speed on on the yeah, Seahawks. Yeah, but you you could you could play still man because their 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 receiving core is so thin. So you play man with a guy over the top on each side and you can get away with that. Do you I, don't, I know don't we don't teams value. usually play zone against Seattle anyway because of Russell Wilson. Yeah, yeah, I mean rushing. I, I think you have to do that because you don't want them to run, right? Because when you play man coverage, your your cornerback's back is turned toward the quarterback, and then he can take off. So yes, you're probably right about that, Heath. But I know we don't love Philip Dorsett. We're not talking about him as a great fantasy player. He gives that offense more speed. Defenses are going to have to do something about him. So I, I, I bet they play a ton of zone against Seattle this year, just as an example. And when teams do that, that usually means the matchups, the, the wide receiver cornerback matchups don't matter. So I think when you look at the, the best corners, you've got good ones in the AFC East on New England, Buffalo, and Miami. You've got good ones in the NFC West in Ramsey and Peterson. And then obviously the 49ers have a, a just a solid defense. Um, well, that's bad news for like the Jets because <laughs> they get all those teams. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, right? You know what's bad news for the Jets? What? 
Adam Gase. <laughs> yeah, they do get all those teams. They also get Kansas City on the road, and wide receivers basically never did well in Arrowhead last year. I don't know if that message, like for a guy for a late round pick like Rashad Mary Perriman or Denzel Mims or whatever, I don't care, right? You know, whatever. Um, but I just thought that was interesting. It's bad news for maybe like Stefan Diggs. Stefan Diggs has to face Dolphins, Rams, Patriots, Cardinals, Chargers, Niners, Steelers, Patriots. That's not great. But, you know, if you guys don't want to get into that, that's fine. Um, it's a, it's a lot. So we could probably get bogged down in that. Let's talk about. Uh, maybe tough ma- tough running back matchups. I came up with a few to begin this season. I don't know if you guys have any running backs that you think might get off to a tough start. Yeah, I got a few. Okay, go for it. How about David Johnson? We, we talk about how that schedule is bad for Deshaun Watson, but we kind of give Watson the benefit of the doubt because he's just such a great playmaker. But schedule's bad for David Johnson, too. And what happens if he gets off to a slow start in Houston? Is, is Bill O'Brien going to keep feeding him when he's got 300 total yards through the first four or five games of the year? Yeah, that makes me a little nervous for him. Definitely stood out. To I me mean, too. yeah, I, I just like he's had Lamar Miller and Carlos Hyde. So if he's got 300 yards through the first four or five yards games of the year, he's going to be on a fantastic pace for a Houston Texans running back. <laughs> Maybe um, if he can stay healthy, sure. And I don't know, I. I kind of think that with David Johnson and kind of like Le'Veon Bell, like a lo- I expect a lot of their production to come in the passing game and to come via receptions. And so I don't know how, like, I don't think the Chiefs are a bad matchup for David Don- Johnson at all. They, they're pretty happy letting teams run on them. Well, but uh, no, if you recall, Heath, Derrick Henry had a big game against them. And then in their last seven games, uh, Henry in the playoffs had 69 yards. He was the only running back with more than 58 rushing yards. And he was the only running back with more than 14 carries, which I think is the, is the concern you have playing the chiefs. Like their run defense actually got pretty good and they score so many points. They take you out of your game script. And it's not the Texans MO typically to throw their backs. We talk about that all the time that, you know, David Johnson may be the outlier because he's different than Carlos Hyde for sure. But I mean, they didn't use Duke Johnson the right way at all last year. And so are they going to completely change their philosophy with what they do, whether it's Watson running or just O'Brien's offense, and all of a sudden start throwing to their backs 50-plus times? And Heath, is that the type of running back that you'd be more concerned about if he had a tough set? It's like, look, whatever, Saquon Barkley, even if he doesn't run well, he'll have, he'll have production in the passing game. But Marlon Mack, if he had a, had a tough schedule, or those trap backs, I guess. So those are the ones that you'd be more concerned about in tough matchups if they had a few of them at the beginning of their season. I would be more concerned about backs that I think could legitimately lose um, their role because of performance. And I think it would take more than three or four games for that to happen to David Johnson, just based on like how much everyone's been dunking on them for trading DeAndre Hopkins for David Johnson. And the fact that they didn't seem to want to give Duke Johnson a b- bigger role last year. Like I don't, I don't think D- David Johnson might get hurt or something, but I don't think he's losing his job because of three or four bad games. I'm looking at Raheem Mostert and Tevin Coleman, and after Arizona in week one, at the Jets, they were really good against the run. At the Giants, they gave up 3.6 yards per carry to running backs after acquiring Leonard Williams. And then the Eagles, they gave up 3.6 yards per carry to running backs. That's three bad games, three bad matchups in a row, at least based on last year for the Niners. 
Um, I actually had the Colts on the bad list. Am I crazy? Jacksonville week one is amazing. Uh, but Minnesota Jets Bears after that, not great. I don't. I don't know if I see the the Vikings and the Jets as as tough defenses against the run as you might. I, I think they'll be they'll Minnesota especially won't be like bad. Teams aren't just going to go and steamroll them. And probably not the Jets either, but I don't think they're necessarily dangerous matchups. Okay. Um, I lost Jets that. are interesting because I'd like to see, you know, with, with Williams and Mosley healthy for the full, full season, how that run defense can actually look. They got some really good play from some really average players last year on that deal. Yeah, uh, that's and yeah, and they didn't even lose a they didn't even skip a beat when Leonard Williams left. So it's it was kind of weird. I guess they did probably play better than what you would expect from their personnel. Um uh, I had the Falcons as having good matchups to begin the season on on the ground. Seattle, Dallas, yep. Chicago. Well, Chicago might be tough, but Green Bay and Carolina after that if you want to go out 5 weeks. Seattle, Dallas, Chicago, Green Bay, Carolina. And honestly, Dallas might not be all that easy. I don't know, but I I see Seattle, Green Bay, and Carolina in three of their first five games. That Dave, that one jumped out at you. Which team is this, Adam? Yeah, uh, Atlanta. Yeah, well, what stood out to me about Atlanta was definitely the easier matchups early on, and I could see Todd Gurley getting off to a good start, and then after their bye in Week Ten, I, I think it's mostly bad news for Gurley. But the bottom line is that I don't I don't think anybody on the pod thinks that the Falcons' defense is going to be particularly good. Their pass rush really didn't go improved, I don't think. They've, they're trying like heck to get their secondary going in the right direction. I'm, I'm thinking that they're just going to be in a bunch of high-scoring games, which helps Gurley. And obviously, it, it does wonders for the upside of Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, Hayden Hurst. Um, okay. I, I'm expecting just a lot of high-scoring games uh, with the Falcons. 12 dome games, too, this year for them. Uh, we've got just a couple things I want to promote, and then I'll I'll get some last words from you guys. We'll wrap things up. Um, fantasy football today becomes fantasy football yesterday. Next week, we are going to look back at the last twenty plus years, a little bit more than two decades of fantasy football, the Mount Rushmores, the best seasons by individual players, the biggest busts, the biggest breakouts. Really fun stuff. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing the draft last year of the, uh, last week of the best seasons. Or actually, it was just a few days ago of the best seasons. Uh, the Mount Rushmore is going to be a really awesome conversation. So that's all next week. We'll obviously cover anything relevant in fantasy football, but that's a little treat for you. Five episodes there. Fantasy football yesterday. And we'll have another Twitch stream on Tuesday night. You can get the link to that in the episode descriptions or just go to twitch.tv I, I feel like twitch.com takes you there as well but twitch.tv slash ff today shraggy b did i get that right yeah you can do them both okay dot com so much easier though okay okay good twitch.com slash ff today and uh we're live tuesday night 7 p.m eastern all right we're gonna take a real quick break here on fantasy football today when we come back some final thoughts on schedules from jamie heath and dave the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. 
Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. All right, Heath, I'm going to ask you to finish up. Give us uh, some of your closing thoughts on the schedules. I want to have at least one team this year where I start off a draft with Tyreek Hill, Travis Kelsey and Patrick Mahomes in the first three rounds because (laughs) in week 14 through 16, they face the Dolphins, the Saints, and the Falcons. They might score 100 points in those three games. (laughs) So I'd like to have at least one team that has those three and makes the playoffs, and it's just like, later, guys. And that's funny because I want to have one team that starts off with Saquon Barkley, Darius Slayton, and Daniel Jones with my first three. My team's going to be better than (laughs) ours. <laughs> Probably. JV, your final thoughts? Uh, I think I might move Kyler Murray up to three at quarterback. Yeah. Um, the schedule's so good. Uh, you know, for me, three through six was was so bunched up anyway in, in quarterback ranking. So uh I'm I'm excited about what he's potentially able to do in that offense with those uh with those matchups. It's a no-brainer now over Deshaun Watson, right? Like the the schedule is just the icing on the cake. Yeah, schedule is a, a very easy deciding factor. So um, I still don't think it's going to change Hopkins very much, just because I don't think he's going to get the targets that he typically needs. So he'll still be outside of my top five and still second round pick. But um, you know, when you look at Kyler versus Dak and that schedule that Dallas has, and Russell Wilson's schedule and Watson's obviously schedule, so. I certainly understand anybody taking those other quarterbacks ahead of Kyler, but I think Kyler's in, in, in a very favorable spot to take a, a leap in his sophomore campaign. Week one, Kyler's against San Francisco, and he was very good against them last year. Are we just, we expect he's just going to be very good about them and, and say, don't worry about San Francisco being good? Well, I, I think would think Watts. I'm sorry, go, go ahead. ahead. No, I would, I would say I would think he would definitely be behind all those guys for week one for sure. He could be. Yeah, I get I where mean, you're coming from. It, it's a it's a fair comparison with Watson. The other two guys are probably better than in week one. But I don't uh, want to I don't want to draft a I don't want to pass on a guy just because he's got a bad week one matchup. No, but Especially we were just talking weeks about two through nine. Or, good, right? Yeah. I think so. you know, like like week one, Dak versus the Rams could be fantastic. Yep. But it's the rest of the season that you know. Again, it, it's just nitpicking. This this is what the schedule does for you. You know, it just changes a couple things here or there, um, and, and so. Uh, you know, I haven't I haven't changed my rankings yet, but that's just you know the thing that came to mind was um, that Kyler might bump up, you know, from six to three for me. Tiebreakers, baby. Dave, do you have a final thought? Yes, I I think the early schedules for Roethlisberger, who we talked about, and then we mentioned a lot of these other names on on fantasy football today: uh, Teddy Bridgewater, Philip Rivers, Gardner Minshew, Jimmy Garoppolo. 
I, I those are five quarterback streamers that if you just really want to wait on quarterback, you don't want to invest in that position, or maybe you do and someone beats you to the punch on you know the first five quarterbacks on draft day. I, you can just grab one of those guys and, and start your season off with them. And if that's the case, then I think it just further dilutes the, the talent pool on draft day at quarterback, which is great. And my, my final thought, two thoughts. I get to have two. One, the Patriots have five primetime games. <laughs> they are going to be the most boring team in the NFL. Even if they're good, they're going to be boring. That's pathetic. I don't want to watch the Patriots. I didn't, like, they were boring unless, last year. Unless there's Cam? still a guy out there. Okay. All right, fine. <laughs> oh, and maybe they, they know Cam? something yeah. we don't know. Cam, dude, I, I've got a nugget on Jared Stidham if you're interested. Go for it. He leaned heavily on his slot receiver at Auburn last oh. two years. Guy named Ryan Davis. Just okay. So you, you mean you're going to lean on Julian Edelman? Well, I, I would. You know what my theory is on quarterbacks when they come out from college is when when they're pressured and and they're in the heat of battle, they rely on what they know, and this might be what Jared Sidham knows. So maybe it's a silver lining for Julian Edelman. Maybe. Well, yeah, they're just they're going to be boring. I don't want to watch them five times in prime time. And you'll my, watch them and you'll love it. I'll watch them. I uh, we'll see if I love it. Uh, my f- second final thought is Drew Brees has two primetime home games this year, mm. which is typically amazing. In his last six seasons, Drew Brees has had 10 primetime home games. That would be Thursday, yeah. Sunday night, or Monday night. Ten of them. In eight of them, he scored 26 or more fantasy points. And in six of them, he scored 30 or more fantasy points in six-point-per-passing touchdown leagues. It is a layup. For Drew Brees, I do wonder if there are no fans, if it will be. It was all the, the fans. Well, yeah, let, let's fans. let's give Adam some credit. Let's give Adam some credit. Jeff Duncan of the Athletic, who covers the Saints, he tweeted this uh, on May seventh. So what was that? On Thursday, before yeah, the schedule was released. Yeah. This was his tweet. One possible drawback for the Saints playing in both Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers at home early in the schedule: the possibility of not having fans at the games. Brady and Rodgers both rely heavily on pre-snap reads and audibles at the line of scrimmage. So Adam was correct. Uh, well, I was saying on Twitch that the thought occurred to me that the Saints offense won't be as good without their fans because I just feel like they feed off that energy. I, this is more about their defense. but uh, what Right, if their saying. defense is bad at home, then, then Drew Brees is going to be even better. Yeah, I just like the Saints have such a home field advantage that they just obliterate people. They have the amazing fans and extremely loud building. I, I think things will be if different. You're, if you're ranking fans. home field, are you giving them one over the Chiefs and the Packers? Yeah, yes. yes. I'd say so. I think there's, but, but I wouldn't overrate does. it. I don't think it's it's a huge factor. Yeah, I I think there's been like studies done on which home field is the best. I don't remember who it was though. The, it was the Saints. Those are the top three, though, right? <laughs> I I thought the Steelers might be in there too, but well, Steelers. Well, I mean, the Steelers on the road is, is <laughs> right. Basically. That's that's true. That's true. Chargers worst. Uh, well, the Patriots never lose at Foxborough, so I, you know, yeah, the Patriots they, lose times they will. Yeah. So Tom Brady is going to be a regular season underdog for the first time in seventy-five games when they open up with the Saints, and that is my third final thought. Also, pass interference will not be revealable this season. That is my fourth final thought. Have a great weekend, everybody. We'll talk to you. Chiefs, Ravens, let's go. 
Ooh, just yeah. start the season right there. <laughs> we'll talk to you on uh, Monday, the Fantasy Football Yesterday.